Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're back with COVID-19 and today we're going to be talking about the presentation in the financial statements of COVID-19. And to help me through that excitement, I'm joined by the lovely Gary Berkowitz again. Welcome back, Gary. Thanks, Ruth. As you say, when you say welcome back, welcome back from the comfort of my home again. But yeah, this is becoming the norm for these podcasts, but it's great to be here in inverted commas. Thanks. Good. And I almost didn't get your name out and cough through half that intro, but I'm sure it will be fine. <laughs> OK, so we're talking about presentation. Now, I'm very excited, Gary, because there is a new phrase in accounting world, and that is EBITDAC. What on earth is going on? Tell me what it means. Right. So, so EBITDAC, the new, the new coin, the uh, phrase that's been coined, is stands for Earnings Before Interest, Tax, Depreciation, and COVID nineteen. So, uh, we're getting a, a, a very interesting uh, new line item that folks are thinking about trying to communicate to investors. Okay, so I can't believe that, but I'll go with it. So obviously EBITDAR is an example of an alternative performance measure. So it sounds like people are obviously looking at their alternative performance measures in light of COVID. What are companies doing? Yeah, so I mean, if you if you think about it, you know, EBITDAC, adjusted EBITDAR, all of these things, companies are trying to show the impact of COVID-19 on their financial statements. Now, there are two ways that they can that they're, they're trying to do this. And one would be through the use of non-IFRS alternative performance measures, or as we're calling them APMs, as as you mentioned, you know, EBITDAC would be what would be an example of one. Or others, we've seen earnings in constant currencies excluding the impact of COVID-19. So you're getting all sorts of things that folks are trying to to provide in a, in a you know a reasonable attempt to try and help people understand what the information would have looked like if we hadn't been in the situation. However, it's probably worth mentioning that companies are also thinking about trying to highlight the impacts of COVID-19 while staying within the boundaries of what is acceptable under under IFRS. Perfect. So if we, I like being in the boundaries of IFRS. So if we stay in the boundaries of IFRS, what requirements should companies be looking at? Yeah, so I mean, if you if you want to stay, as you say, on, on the fair way of IFRS, so IS1 is the standard on presentation and covers the income statements. And that's permits disaggregation of additional line items in the income statements. If such presentation obviously is relevant to, to an understanding of the entity's financial performance. And, and IS1 also requires, it actually requires separate disclosure of material items of income and expenses, not just expenses, but income as well, which might include presentation in the income statements. And so additional line items, subtotals, headings representing, you know, the incremental costs as a result of COVID-19 might be acceptable. As I said, obviously, provided they give more understandable information and, and they don't obscure other material information. You know, however, you know, coronavirus is not a defined IFRS term. So if you try to include that kind of metric or EBITDAC, as you mentioned before, this would clearly be considered to be an alternative performance measure, an APM that, that wouldn't be within the boundaries of, of IS1. And I think there's probably quite a lot of regulator well there's always been a lot of regulator focus on APMs in general what have they have any of the regulators said anything specific in light of COVID? Yeah there's actually been several regulators we're aware of have said something and I'm sure others others probably have or will come out with with guidance but it's probably worthwhile starting out to say it's difficult to generalize 
because I think you know different regulators might take different views on what what may or may not be acceptable APMs. So I think it's probably it makes a lot of sense to consider what your local regulator says, because as I said, their, their views on this might be different. So so we're aware that the the UK and the French regulators have issued something on this recently, uh, and we understand the Australian regulator might issue something shortly as well. I mean, shortly this is recorded. I don't know if I should say when this is recorded, because shortly might be uh, might have already occurred by the time this comes yeah. out. Probably out. <laughs> yeah, it's probably out. But I mean, let's 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 take maybe ESMA for example. So ESMA is is the European Securities and, and Markets Authority, and I think it, what ESMA is saying, which makes makes a lot of sense at least to me, is that you know your your APMs should be consistent over time and in accordance with with the APM guidelines that have been issued by ESMA, and they, and they in addition they should provide a fair and unbiased representation of the company's financial performance again, in accordance with, with their APM uh, guidelines. And so I think ESMA's view is that it's going to be difficult in many cases for APMs to conform with those above two requirements as a result of the pervasiveness of COVID-19. And, and therefore, ESMA seems to suggest that, that rather than adjusting existing APMs or including new APMs, entities should rather consider improving their disclosures and include information both in the financials and other communication documents in order to explain how COVID-19 has impacted or, or is expected to impact the operations of an entity and also include information about the level of uncertainty as well as the measures adopted or expected to be adopted to address COVID-19. And actually, this is, this is also consistent with a document that was published by ESMA then on the 20th of May, in which ESMA refers to the same principles when considering any changes to the presentation in the income statement if you do want to still comply with with IS1. Okay, so a few things I heard there, probably whoever's listening, obviously you're all over the world, so keep an eye on what your local regulators published. But ESMA have also got some good guidance out. I'll try and remember <laughs> to post a link when, when we share the podcast. And then coming to your last point around sort of presentation of income statements. So if we maybe move away from APMs, what else are companies doing to try and show the impact of COVID-19? Yeah, so I think it's it's probably important to to say that that entities should follow their existing accounting policies when making decisions on on what they want to what they want to present. Now, and, and as I say, they should be consistent in how they've presented material items in the past. And some entities might describe these as exceptional or non-recurring. And if they've got no accounting policy in place describing the presentation of material and exceptional items. They might want to develop one to address presentation issues resulting from from COVID-19. I think what's important is that if you do this, this policy, it's important to remember this policy would then need to be applied consistently by the entity in the future. So you can't say my policy is just to adjust for COVID-19. It needs to be, it needs to adjust items that have the following nature so that you could apply it consistently in the future. And, and then I think what's also important is the, the policy adopted by the entity would, would need to be disclosed in the notes of the financial statements, especially to the extent that it's very important in the current year or you're developing it for the first time. But most importantly, whatever policy is developed, you know, entities would need to comply with, with the requirements in, in IS1. And just some of them, for example, that for me are, are the really, you know, well, all of them are important, but some that are worthwhile remembering is, you know, any, any specific line item you pull out needs to be comprised of line items made up in accordance with IFRS. And that's why we said before, adjusting for something called COVID-19 would not be in accordance with IS-1 because COVID-19 expense is not, is not a defined IFRS amount, whereas an impairment charge, for example, is. You know, they'd need to be presented and labeled in a manner that makes the line items 
that constitutes any subtotal clear and understandable. So again, I think the point is it should be clear and understandable what how the subtotals are made up if you want to draw attention to a specific line item. Again, IS-1 also has this concept of needing to be consistent from period to period, and, and also they should not be displayed with, with any more prominence than subtotals that are actually required or mandated by IS-1. Okay, so that helps us, I think, understand what some of the accounting guidance says. What are companies actually thinking of adjusting for? What have you seen? Yeah, wow, we've seen, we could have a whole other podcast on, <laughs> on cool and funky things we've seen companies want to adjust for. So we've seen a, a fair range of items, you know, things from things that make a fair amount of sense, like impairment as a direct result of, of having to shut down a plant because of COVID-19, to the more heroic proposed presentations, such as, you know, revenue as if COVID-19 had never occurred, less COVID-19 adjustment equals revenue for the current period, <laughs> which I think we would probably say is, is probably on the range of unacceptable if you want to be compliant with IS-1. But other items we've seen folks think about that, that, you know, depending on the facts and circumstances, may or may not be acceptable would include termination penalties paid to suppliers, recognition of onerous contract provisions as a result of not being able to comply because of COVID-19, debt modification expenses if folks have needed to restructure their debt as a result of financial difficulties brought on by COVID-19, and, and potentially write-offs of deferred tax assets to the extent that your future, future operating profit expectations are, are no longer what they were before. Okay, so you're giving us extremes there. I like how you describe one as heroic. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure I've ever thought of accounting as heroic, but I love it. So if someone's trying to decide, look, is this actually sensible and is it compliant with IFRS, what should they think through? How do they decide if it's acceptable? You mean you mean in addition to, to the broader principles that I just went through in IS1, as well as your regulator's view and any existing accounting policy? <laughs> yes, everything. <laughs> okay, well, in a nutshell, please. Okay, well, well, okay. So maybe let me let me phrase that as well. If, if you're thinking of, a, of of how you might develop or refine your accounting policy, maybe maybe a couple more pieces of food for thought for folks to think about. And and as I say, by no way is this the the, the only right way to do it, but. I think some of the things we've thought about is whether or not the cost is incremental or the or the income for that matter. So if you can say that this this amount that I'm paying or receiving is a direct consequence of COVID-19. So if COVID-19 had not occurred, this income or expense would never have resulted either. So incremental. And you contrast that with, for example, whether or not certain income or expenses are, are sunk costs. And, and what I mean by sunk costs is they would have occurred regardless of whether or not uh, COVID-19 had happened. So maybe, you know, if you think of the salary costs you're paying employees, you know, those employees' productivity may have been impacted and, and uh, you know, may not be able to, to derive the economic benefits as a result of those employee costs. But the reality is you are still going to pay your employees, whether or not they can use that, you can use that employee resource to generate income. That's the impact of COVID-19. The cost was always going to be paid. And other things that folks may want to think about in that vein are depreciation and facilities costs, which would which are always going to be incurred. So incremental sunk costs. And I think the last thing to just think about, which is, I think, a, a really difficult bit here, is the ability to clearly differentiate between COVID-19 direct impacts versus other overall macroeconomic changes. I think making the clear distinction between what is COVID-19 versus generally what's happening in the environment can be difficult. So, you know, for example, the, the, the recent drop in the oil prices or other commodity changes in prices, I think in some cases it's going to be very difficult for entities to distinguish how much of that is COVID-19 related versus other macroeconomic changes. So, 
again, how, how you think about how you might make that differentiation and how you describe it in, in any policy that you, you put together is, is probably pretty important. Okay, so I think, you know, generally what I'm hearing, so we talked about APMs and we've talked about presentation, the income statement, and it's really to look at some of that guidance in IS1 to check you are being consistent year on year and developing a policy if you are going to pull out any of these items and like you've just given us some options. I think the challenge is lots of regulators are coming out saying, you know, we want you to give us as much information as is practically possible about how COVID-19 is impacting your business. So I suppose I could see an entity saying, well, that's what I'm trying to do by adjusting my APMs and adjusting, you know, things in my presentation. How do you reconcile those two things? Oh, a nice, a nice, difficult question. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the last one. But yeah, I, one. <laughs> I think, yeah, and I and I think the way I'd answer that is 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 that I think there's a difference between disclosure that helps a reader understand your IFRS numbers, which is I think what regulators are asking for, and particularly I think if folks if, if we do include a link in this podcast that that is my documents, I think it's it's actually a very good document. You know, so disclosure that helps a reader understand your IFRS numbers better versus changing your IFRS numbers or presenting them in a way that might be mis leading and not comply with IS1. So I think there's a difference between the two. And I think that's what regulators are really focusing on. So perhaps, you know, maybe maybe a couple of last messages for folks unless, unless you want to ask something else, Ruth. But I think it's it, be clear if you are changing the presentation of your income statements and what you have done and why you've done it. Make sure that whatever you're planning on, 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 on doing is allowed based on IS1 if you want to comply with IFRS or and or based on your regulator's view on the matter if you want to provide a, an alternative performance measure. And I think the last thing, and this may be a message we, we continue to reiterate in these podcasts, is you know be transparent and provide a sufficient amount of disclosure in the notes to give users the best chance of understanding how COVID-19 has impacted the IFRS numbers. Perfect. And don't worry, I wasn't going to ask you anymore. You summed up perfectly. So thank you very much. So really useful there. We will include a link to the ESMA guidance and key things to look out for, obviously, what your local regulator is saying, but some helpful stuff there around IS1 and some examples you're seeing. So thank you very much, Gary. I'm sure we'll have you back again soon. I've got a whole list more of podcasts we need help with. So to the listeners, thank you for listening. Happy accounting and stay safe. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.